Please pray with me. God, source of all light, by your word you give light to the soul. Pour out on us the spirit of wisdom and understanding that our hearts and minds may be open to know your truth and your way. Amen. I hear that you are all walking together through the story right now. What a wonderful, uh, blessed season to be in with one another. And this morning's passage following along in that trajectory comes from the book of the Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. Hear the word of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many's wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. This is the word of God. For the people of God. Thanks be to God. A few of you have already mentioned this morning that I look a little bit familiar to you, and that is because I was here for Pastor Nikki's installation a while back. I had the joy of moderating that installation service. I was a senior vice moderator of our presbytery in 2019. And then I was the moderator of the Presbytery in 2020. It's needless to say that that was a really strange time to be moderating the Presbytery. It was a really strange time to be doing pretty much anything at all. There were a couple of reasons it was a weird year. The biggest was that... um, It was just a a weird year, and one of the things that they definitely do not cover at the moderator training conference is what to do in case of global pandemic and major political unrest. It was a great, great time. But the more subtle issue that I really sat with during that time was watching our small churches get smaller and watching many of them close or merge The pandemic brought out issues that had been able to stay swept under the rugs for many years. And when they reared their ugly heads during that tumultuous time, there was immediate turmoil. 
Now, the good news for you all here is that I'm also on the Commission on Ministry, and I haven't heard your name said in any uh, concerning ways, so well done, saints. Keep that up. You have a great pastor at the helm, and you seem to be weathering things quite well. But even in congregations that are weathering this all well or okay, there's a sense of anxiety. Perhaps some of you are feeling that as well. What if we're next? So we work harder, right, to make a better children's church or bigger picnics or flashier community outreach. But even with those efforts, churches for whom attendance is swelling are the exception to the norm. So here's the irony that we see in today's passage. Worrying about how many of us there are doesn't actually make our community any bigger, and it certainly does not make it any healthier. One of the biggest problems in the church today, not necessarily this specific congregation or any specific congregation, but the church as a whole, is the church's obsession with caring about if churches get larger or smaller. Today, we look back at the early church in Acts, when Christianity was new. And we think maybe if we can recapture part of that. But I want to point out that while Acts says that the church was booming, it never says that it has to be booming to be good or to be faithful. Another pastor friend and I have a podcast on which we've been bringing on other pastors as guests because we have a question we want to explore with them. What if we blew up the churches we know it today and started from scratch with only the stuff we see in the Bible? Going back to Acts and rebuilding, but in today's context. We were approaching it from the angle of trying to figure out all the new things the church isn't doing because we're stuck in old ways. So it's actually pretty funny that none of the other pastors we've had on have actually answered the question as we initially envisioned it. One of them pushed back and talked about what we should hold on to, and she was right. There is lots of goodness in the church. One got really philosophical and didn't talk about practical action or anything like that, but talked about our need to drop the masks and the fakeness that church members often use as a protection tactic. He got to the idea of vulnerability that we see in Acts 2. Others yet talked about finding a balance and opportunity as we begin to dig ourselves out of the pandemic. We have a chance to not start back up the stuff that wasn't working, those things that were exhausting and not productive and maybe not even godly or God-ordained. We have a chance to scrap the stuff that wasn't working and put all that energy toward trying new things. Really what it comes down to, though, is that because we are 2,000 years removed from this passage we read today. And we have 2,000 years of history and baggage. We cannot just blow up the church and start from scratch, no matter how much some of us may want to sometimes. And even if we did, our context in the world today is just too different 
to go back, read Acts, and apply it directly. The church changes. Even as you travel throughout the journey of the accounts and Acts, the church changes. Because the world changes. The problem is when we don't allow the church to change. Or in many cases, when the only change we are willing to allow is a change backwards. The church is never going to look like it did when any of us were kids because the world doesn't look like it did when any of us were kids. And that's okay. It's uncomfortable. We don't have to like it, but it is okay. While the context changes and the history and the tradition change and build on one another, there are some consistencies, though, some things that we can lean on to. We can't just go back and remodel ourselves after the church and acts, but we can take a look at why their model worked so well. The vision, the heart behind it, the reason for their doing what they did, those we can hang on to. They were steeped in the scripture. They were in relationship with each other, even when it was hard, and they did it in such a way that no one was left out or left needy. They celebrated the sacraments together. And yes, dear Presbyterians, they ate. I'm sure that meant potlucks. But breaking bread means so much more than that in scripture. It means that plus, right? It means communion. It is a sacramental community building. They prayed a lot. They had glad and generous hearts. They were of one heart and soul. What we're given in the accounts in Acts are not a blueprint for church, but a vision of what a healthy faith community looks like. It shows us a, for instance, of Christian people getting together to make a real difference in the world around them. If needy people in that community were protected and cared for, of course people wanted to be a part of that. When every person is looked upon as being a creative and beautiful child of God worth caring for, people are drawn to that kind of community. If we keep worrying about how to convince the rest of the world they are wrong, we're just going to keep seeing churches close. So let's get our visions in line. Let's just worry about doing the things that Jesus told us to do. Have robust and regular Bible studies at church, at home, wherever. Be in real and vulnerable relationship with one another, even when it's hard. Tell others when you're hurting, even if it's them that hurt you. And tell them when you have a need. And listen carefully when another tells you they are hurting, even if it's you that hurt them. And help to meet the needs of those around you. The really important thing to remember about the real and vulnerable nature of good Christian relationships is that you have to be willing to speak up when you need something or you are hurting, and you have to be willing to accept when you have hurt the other person. Pray together, and not just at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, other times too. Be generous. As Americans, the majority of us have way more than we need. And be willing to accept that the church is undergoing some major growing pains these days. And just like the church in Acts 2, there is no way 
for us to predict what it's going to look like down the road. Always remember, too, that the church is more than just Crossroads Presbyterian Church. There are individual neighborhood churches, and there are different denominations, but none of those are by themselves the church. What if we pull back the camera from the way we usually see this passage, and instead of just looking at it individually, we look at it communally? Here's what I mean. Don't just think about applying this passage within the walls of this building. You should absolutely think about applying this passage within the walls of this building, but then spread out. Invite the Lutheran or Methodist congregation down the road to your Bible studies and prayer groups. Or, hold on to your hats, my dear Presbyterian Pittsburghers, you could even invite Catholics. Try a pulpit swap with other community churches. Get more involved with some of the larger presbytery efforts, because at its heart, the presbytery is there to help keep individual congregations connected to one another. When it comes to generosity, don't just help individual people help communities. If the church or synagogue or mosque nearby starts a capital campaign to replace their boiler that just broke, and I know everyone who's ever been on a session knows how that feels, Make a donation to that other congregation to help them out with their boiler. And then invite them to use your space while they wait for their repairs, even if they worship differently than you. Have community dinners with communion. And hear me, sweet Presbyterians, because I've been Presbyterian since I was in the womb, and I know what at least half of y'all just pictured. <laughs> I'm not talking about just a crossroads potluck that a few brave ones might invite a friend to or something on the lawn so the neighborhood knows you're still here. I'm talking about call up the other churches around and plan something epic and ecumenical. That's theology speak for not just the Presbyterians. It's okay to gather within your own congregation for meals and communion together, but it is also good and healthy and appropriate to gather with other congregations as well. Have prayer services and prayer meetings with other congregations. Look at the needs of the community, and instead of reinventing the wheel every time you want to do something to help the community around you, see if you can jump on board somewhere it's already being addressed. I know so many sweet, small and beloved congregations that have a shelf or two of non-perishables somewhere in the church in case they know of someone who needs food. But food banks in our area are always in great need of financial donations, volunteers, food donations, and they're large organizations. They've got a great system for doing what they're doing. Partnering with them has a far greater impact. You don't have to create a new program for everything or everyone. There is likely already another church or organization doing that thing you'd like to do. So why not go see how you can help them out with it? And maybe there isn't anyone else doing it, but it's a really big task. Ask other churches and organizations to help you start doing it. Work together. You don't have to do it all alone. As individuals and as a congregation, you don't have to do it all alone. We are in this together, dear saints. 
Now, as with anything, this all takes practice. You can't just jump in and get it all at once, and that's okay. As an individual person or a family, maybe pick just one of these things that you see in this passage that you want to work on. Maybe you say, yeah, we're going to have a family time of prayer and scripture before bed every night and embrace that, pack, that, uh, that practice for a season. Or maybe you might say, I'm going to go get involved with the Methodist Church's after-school program. Maybe as a congregation, you decide to start up a yearly Advent dinner and concert with other churches, or you start donating to a local organization, doing something you see as a community need, and just do that one thing for now. And if you're already doing some of those kinds of things, sweet, that's great. Keep doing it, and then add some more. It starts small, and it's vulnerable, because like the folks in Acts 2, you have no idea where it's going to lead. It might fizzle out, it might be a complete and utter bomb, or it might blow up and take on a life of its own. Or worse, God could use it to challenge everything you thought about church. But we're not in this for the numbers, or the success, or the show. We're in this for the community of Christ. A lot of people talk about the church being the people, not the building. But that doesn't mean if the building burns to the ground tonight, crossroads will be okay because we're still together. That is a true statement, for the record. But that's not what this means about the church being the people, not the building. What it means is that the body of believers in the world transcends congregational boundaries. This church here is a beautiful expression of God's presence in the world, just as each of you saints here are beautiful expressions of God's presence in the world. And when each of those creations begin to work together to worship God and care for one another, incredible things can happen. So reach out and dream big, my dear friends. Amen.